Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a series called Work and Rest, where we are exploring these life-giving rhythms God has designed for us. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, church family. It is good to be with you. If we've not met, my name's Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here, one of the worship leaders, and I always love the chance to uh, dig into God's Word with you. So if you brought a Bible with you today, go ahead and take that out. You can open it up to Genesis chapter 2. It's right in the beginning. Then you just kind of put a bookmark there in Genesis 2 and turn to Exodus 20 as well. Exodus is the second book in the Bible. We're going to be kind of dancing back and forth between Exodus 20 and Genesis 2. If you did not bring a Bible with you today, there's Bibles in the seat racks in front of you. You can grab one of those. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, we would love for you to take that home with you. Let that be your own copy of God's Word. So it is July 17th, and that like means some things, right? As we've already heard, that means Bible blast tonight. That means summer's like already half over. That means school's like right around the corner. And as the saying goes, time sure does. You guys are good. Nice. All right, let's, let's, let's try another one, okay? How about this one? Where does the time Ooh. Time waits for... We're up against the... That one's harder, yeah? It's go, 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 go. <laughs> Go. I don't know if I should be excited about how well you did that or concerned. <laughs> Your first handers with this, with this rushing thing, right? It can often seem like time is racing. Two weeks ago, however, for me, time stood still. Time stood still. My grandfather, who had been moved to home hospice, passed away. He was uh, 95. He had a a good and a long life. He wasn't in the best condition, so it was bittersweet. And the family attended the graveside, and time stood still. Nobody was like thinking about the next place that they had to be, the next person that they had to see, the next thing that they had to do. Everyone was present. And we get glimpses into moments like this, don't we? Moments that I like to call sacred time when all seems to like stop or cease. The death of a loved one, the birth of a child, the exchange of vows at a wedding. I just did a wedding like two weeks ago. I don't care if it's like 40 people there or 4,000. When the vows are exchanged, nobody's like in the room checking a reel on TikTok, right? Like nobody's like clearing their email account. Everybody is present to that moment. Sacred. The majority of our lives, they're just not lived like that. Like we typically need to force ourselves to do this. Sometimes even injury or sickness will slow us down. But the majority of our lives, they're spent at like a dead sprint, just running, rushing to the next thing, the next place, the next person, the next bit of information. And Marva J. Dawn, in her amazing book, Keeping the Sabbath Holy, she says this. She says, trying to accomplish a lot is one of the ways that we seek to satisfy the deepest longing of our existence. 
But what we discover is that all of our struggle, it ends up being, in the words of the preacher of Ecclesiastes, a chasing after the wind. Then she asks this question. She says, so why? Why do we keep trying? And worse yet, why do we judge the worth of others on the same basis that always leaves us feeling empty? Those are good questions. Those are good questions. If you're following along on your notes, I'm starting to wonder, and as I've studied this week, I just want to propose that it's because our disordered desires, the disordered desires of our heart, lead us to value space over time. The disordered desires of our heart lead us to value things of space over moments in time. The temporal over the eternal. Doing over being. Things over moments. And I'm just not talking about material things. Like I'm talking about achievements and accolades, approval of friends, opinions of others, the right stance on an issue, even religious success, things, things, things in space over moments in time, over presence with others, over love of neighbor. Abraham Joshua Heschel, one of the leading Jewish theologians and philosophers of the 20th century, says it this way. He says, we know what to do with space, but we do not know what to do about time, except to make it subservient to space. Most of us seem to labor for the sake of things of space. And as a result, we suffer from a deeply rooted dread of time. He goes on to say that very few people are not enslaved to things. And this is our constant problem. How do we live with people and remain free? How do we live with things and remain independent? Because God is not found in things of space He is found in moments of time. How good is that? There is a way in which you can gain the whole world and lose your very soul, said Jesus of Nazareth. And we want to learn from Jesus how to walk in the way of Jesus so we don't like lose our soul to the things of this world. So here's my question. Here's my question. Is there a practice... Is there a practice in the scriptures? Is there a way of Jesus that would help us to walk by faith instead of sight? That would help us to stop and to slow and to be more present in moments of time? Is there? Friends, there is. There is. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is. It's called Sabbath. It's one of my favorite practices. I am stoked to teach on it today. And we're just going to get Sabbath on the table today. And then we're going to unpack it over the next couple of weeks. If you're just joining us this uh, summer, we have been in a series where we've been exploring the two life-giving rhythms of work and rest. If you're following along on your notes, work and rest. And last week, Brian, he got rest on the table. And this week, this week, we're going to look at why God gave humanity Sabbath and the importance of it to God. So you're kind of in Exodus 20 right now. You've got your finger right there. I want you to hang there for just a little bit longer because I want to give some context to where we're heading by telling a story. It's a familiar story. I think you're going to know the story. It's a story about a king, incidentally, who gained the whole world only to lose his soul. 
All scripture is connected, yes? So his name was Pharaoh. And King Pharaoh, he liked stuff. He liked things. And he was also afraid that what he had would be taken from him. And so out of fear and a desire for things in the world, he enslaved another people group, the Israelites, and he forced them to do hard labor, backbreaking work to make more bricks, to be used for the building of more labor of more supply units in more cities in which could be stored more material wealth so there would be more surplus. And one day, one day, two of the Israelite slaves, they finally worked up the courage, like approach King Pharaoh and ask him for a break, for a rest. Like, can we stop? We are dying here. And they said, we want to go out into the wilderness for three days. And he said back to them, King Pharaoh, he said, you think you need a holiday? I'll tell you what you need. You need to work Harder And the conflict, the conflict leads to one of the most stunning and epic showdowns in the Bible between the so-called gods of Pharaoh, little g gods, and his way, and the God of Israel, on the other hand, and his way of life. I tell you this, I tell you this story because as we say so often around here, this story is our story. It's a concrete event that took place in history, yes, And it's also a type that takes place again and again and again in history. And in this story, in this type, in this culture, there is no rest. There's no rest. Now, we would think that there's no rest for the Israelite slaves, and we'd be right there. But think about this. There's no rest for Pharaoh either. Like he's fearful and he's striving and he's got all these supervisors he's got to be over. And then the supervisors, there's no rest for them. They're anxious. They're worked up about having to meet the endlessly increasing quote of bricks. All, everybody is uniformly caught up in and committed to the grind of endless striving. Scratching of an itch that won't go away. The disordered desire for the things of space over moments in time. And it's into this system. It's into this weariness, this restlessness, this anxiety that the God of Israel cries out, let my people go. And he brings them out. He brings them out from under this heavy yoke. This way of living. Here's the thing. Here's the crazy thing. You guys know this, right? Even when he brings them out, what do they do? They want to go back. On more than one occasion, they want to go back. Because they just don't have a mindset for moving into the promised land. Egypt has been better to them, they think. This story is our story. That's tracking. Tracking. To paraphrase pastor, author, theologian, Walter Brueggemann, the Israelites' departure in their time, it was geographical. Our departure in our time is emotional, spiritual, practical, Economic, same departure, same departure. We're just not leaving physical Egypt, but we would do like really well to dig into this story and to learn from it. Okay. Okay, Exodus 20, verse two. 
I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Stop. Out of the land of bondage. Out of the land of little g gods, of accumulation and accomplishment. Out of strife and hurry. I brought you out of all that and I gave you a different way to live. Not just an idea to meditate on and learn. I gave you a practice. What's the practice in verse 8? Let's read verse 8 together from the notes. It's in the first gray box. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Why does God give humanity a different way to live? Why practice Sabbath? Like you hear today, like, why should I even do this? I'm going to give you two reasons. could give you a myriad of reasons. I'm going to give you two straight from the scripture here. If you're following along, number one, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we begin to break the bondage to striving. If you're following along, it's through the practice, the embodiment of Sabbath, that we begin to break the bondage to striving. Now, I don't know if you were thinking about this when you walked in here this morning, but you, you are in bondage to striving. I mean, no offense, but you are, right? I'm in bondage to striving as well. Like, our culture is in bondage to striving. And I'm not just talking, we look around and we, we can see. I'm talking like if you trace our family line all the way back to Adam and Eve is our birthright to be in bondage to striving. Look at this timeline. I'm going to put this up on the screen. I think I've showed this before. This is from John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. John Mark has been such a mentor to me from a distance. He's taught me so much about the practices of Jesus. And this timeline, I love it. It catalogs the increase of the pace of life over like the last eight centuries. And it's only gotten faster and faster and faster. Why? Why? So we can do more and more and more stuff and experiencing more things. Just check this out, the printing press. Now we've got information at our fingertips. The light bulb. Now we can work later and get more things done. The automobile. Now we can go more places and see more people. The digital age. I'm not even going to say anything about the digital age. Do I need to say anything about it? Here's my math equation for the digital age, okay? Disordered desire plus digital age equals disaster. (laughs) It's like pouring gasoline on a raging fire. And I want you to hear me out for just a second. Okay, things of space, are they bad? They're not bad, right? Things of space are not bad. God values both things of space and moments in time. Think God created the garden. God created the temple. The works of his hands are good. The danger, the danger is when we overvalue things of space over moments in time. So number one, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we begin to break this bondage to striving. We have to step into it. Number two, Number two, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we love God and others. It's through the practice of Sabbath that we love God and others. Okay, Bible question, Bible trivia time. Exodus 20, 1 through 17 is also known as 10 Commandments. Yeah. I don't know how you like to think about the 10 Commandments. I like to think about them as family meeting time. You ever have a family meeting time at your house? 
Sometimes at the Bosworth household, we got to have a family meeting time. We're like, everybody in the kitchen, all right? We got to get some things on the table. Our values are not really being lived out here. And I think God's doing the same thing. You know, He's like, hey, Hey, everybody in the kitchen, you guys have been running at brick-making speed. i got to get some things on the table. I'm going to sum it up and make it really easy. Ten things. Boom, 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 boom. And in these ten family rules, if we can call them that today, we see what God values. What does he value? He doesn't value, like, restlessness and running after things nonstop. He values relationships. And he values the ability to live at the pace of healthy relationship. Just check this out. First three family rules, verse 3, verse 4, and verse 7, are all about how to interact with God. Vertical relationship. Like, no other gods before me. Don't make for yourself an image of another god. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And then if you check out the last six family rules, 12 through 17, they're all about how to interact with one another. Horizontal relationship. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't covet your neighbor's house. Bible trivia number two. You ready for it? I wish I was giving out prizes for these. I could like throw candy, okay? When Jesus is asked in the New Testament to sum up the 10 family rules, how does he sum them up? Mumble, mumble, mumble. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. Love the Lord your God. Vertical, vertical relationship with all your heart. And love your neighbor. Horizontal relationship as yourself. Nice. Nice. Now, what's right in the middle of the 10 family rules in Exodus 20? Sabbath. Sabbath. Slowing. It's the only spiritual discipline to make it into the list of 10 family rules. And I am a big spiritual discipline, guys. So that's big for me. Just think fasting, scripture could have been in there, prayer, solitude, feasting, evangelism, none of them in the 10 family rules. The highest value for God, relationship, and the ability to live at the pace of healthy relationship, the source of everything else, living at the speed of love. Number one, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we just begin to break the bondage of striving. Number two, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we love God and love others. And then in verse 11, Exodus 20, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we do what the Father did. Verse 11, it's through the practice of Sabbath that we do what the Father did. Verse 11 says, we remember the Sabbath day because in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. He did some work. He worked hard, gave himself fully, and then he rested on the seventh day. This is a direct reference to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. If you've still got a bookmark right there in the Bible, you can flip back to Genesis 2. 
And we're going to read Genesis 2, 2 and 3 together. It's on the second grade box in the message notes. Love to hear the word of God read aloud. It says this. It says, on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Circle the word rested in that verse. It's in there a couple of times. Just circle the word rested and write Shabbat next to that. S-H-A-B-B-A-T, Shabbat. It's the Hebrew word for rest. It means to stop or to cease completely. And the obvious question on the table here is like, why would God rest? Six days, boom, he's working hard. One day, two days, three days. He gets all the way to the end. And what does he do? He doesn't pray. He doesn't proclaim scripture. He doesn't do any of this stuff. What does he, he rests. Why? Is he like tired? He's burnt out. He just can't take it anymore. He's, uh, he's exhausted. You know? No, obviously. Isaiah 40 says that he's the everlasting God. He doesn't grow tired. He doesn't grow weary. He, it has to be. It has to be that he rests because he is implementing a rhythm into the fabric of time. Because he knows we, we are going to run at this speed. We are going to be so caught up. We're going to be after the things of this world, and we're not going to live at the pace of relationship, which is what he loves. There were um, three five-gallon buckets. They were sitting on the side of my house. They were filled with dirt. And the thing about five-gallon buckets, when they are filled with dirt, when it rains, they turn into mud. And then on the top, like this water gets in there and it's like all kind of cesspool and nasty and it smells really bad. And my wife hates smelly, muddy things. So she asked me to remove the three five-gallon buckets from the yard. That was a year ago. I didn't remove the buckets. I can't tell you why. I didn't really want to tell you that story, but I just did. Enter uh, the hero in the story, my father-in-law. He texts me this past Wednesday. He's like, hey, you know those five-gallon buckets on the side of the yard? I said, the ones that have been sitting there for a year that are filled with mud and water? He said, yeah, those are the ones. He said, I'm going to come over. I got a dump trailer, and I'm going to remove those buckets for you. I was like, you are awesome. He goes, here's the only thing. You just have to meet me, carry them out there, dump them in the dump trailer. It's like, great, you know, because all I want is for those things to be gone. Little did I know, I double booked myself on Thursday morning. Fast forward Thursday morning, 7.45 a.m. I am getting ready for work. My wife is getting ready for the day. In comes the text from my father-in-law. Hey, I'm here to get those five-gallon buckets. You come out and put them in the trailer. My wife looks at me. I was like, heck no, I can't do that, man. I got places to go. I got things to be. I got, I'm, a, I'm a very important person. And, and my wife, she looks back at me and she says nothing. But I could tell that what she was really saying is, are you serious right now? <laughs> and so like, it, here's what I did, okay? Honestly, in church, I, I ran around like a mad person, dramatically, you know, three five-gallon buckets. How long does it take to do that? I was, oh, <laughs> and I put him in the dump trailer, and then I start walking very hurriedly back up the driveway, right? And uh, my father-in-law is so gracious. He's the hero in the story. He says, hey, could you dump the stuff into the trailer? Because I don't want the buckets. I just want the stuff. 
And I was like, there's like mud and like gross stuff in there. And I was like wearing what I'm wearing now. It's like, oh so I dump all this stuff over and I'm trying to avoid, I'm throwing the buckets out of the trailer. And then I again hurriedly left the driveway, right? How long? It's three, it would have taken me five minutes. Like who told me I had to rush like that? I think I'm just caught up in the things of this world. I think other things are important to me, but God says, I see you think those things are important. You know what's important to me? Slowing, Sabbath, stopping, presence, relationship, being with others. He says, Sabbath is important to me. So important that in this text, he blesses the seventh day, if you see that, Genesis 2, and he makes the seventh day holy. Now, what's interesting about blessing the seventh day is that if you go down in the text to Genesis 2.22, he doesn't just bless the Sabbath. He blesses animals in verse 22. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. And then in Genesis 28, he blesses humans. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Like, it's good to be fruitful. Like, it's good to do these things. But in Genesis 2, 3, before he blesses animals, before he blesses humans, he blesses the Sabbath. Because it's the Sabbath that has the ability to bring forth healthy fruitfulness, healthy working, healthy doing. It's from Sabbath that man will bear much fruit. It's from rest that work comes. It's from Shabbat that life is born. And God wants us to work. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to do all this, though, from a place of Sabbath rest. And not like strive, 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 crash. Get up. Strive, 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 crash. Get up. Strive, strive, strive. He blessed the seventh day. And then he made the seventh day holy. This is ridiculous. The first time... And I got this from, from Heschel. It's in his book, Sabbath. I think it's out there in the resource center. I would like make it required reading. It's, it's amazing. But he says the first time that the word holy is used in the entire Bible, it's in Genesis 2.2. It's not in reference to a place. It's not in reference to a thing. It's not in reference to a person. It is in reference to time. And there is no other reference. You can search for it. It's not there in the record of creation to anything in space that is holy. And this would have been a radical departure from the normal religious thought of the day, which would have expected a holy mountain, a holy sanctuary, a holy temple. And God does make those things later in Scripture, doesn't he? But that's after sin has entered the world. When history began, there was only one holiness in the world. It was holiness in time. And Heschel calls it architecture in time. As if to say, all you have to do to experience Sabbath. You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to do something. You have to enter some temple. All you have to do to experience Sabbath is stop and enter his day that is blessed and holy because God is not found in things of space. He is found in moments of time and he is inviting you in. 
He's not commanding you. He's not forcing you. He's not coercing you. He is inviting you in to the rhythm that he has implemented into the fabric of time. Six days shall you labor and the seventh day you shall rest. And with it, a way of being in the world. And I'm telling you what, friends, the striving world is starving for Sabbath. The striving world is starving for Sabbath. We need a spirit-empowered counter-cultural movement led by the people of God who choose to live at the pace of God. His reign, his rule, his way in the hearts and the families and the circles and the communities of kingdom-minded people who will trade the sprint of culture for the sacred, life-giving rhythm of Yahweh. Think about the witness to a watching culture. We're starving for Sabbath. We're starving for stopping. They're starving for it. They don't know how to get it. We don't know how to get it. But we want this. Deep in our heart, we want this. We want restfulness over restlessness. We want trust over anxiety. We want enjoyment over envy. We're just not sure we can leave Egypt. We're just not sure. We're just not convinced about stepping into the Jordan. We're not sure those waters are going to stop upstream. Here's what I want to do then today, because I know if you're here today and you're like stopping, ceasing for 24 hours, doing nothing, that's crazy, man. I can't even imagine that. Like I know how to weekend and I know leisure time, but that's still like pretty busy. I can't imagine just stopping. So I just want to be real, real practical with the end of this message today. And I want to talk about 10 things. Just throw out 10 practical tips. And you can like write them on the back of your message notes. You don't have to write them. You're not going to hurt my feeling at all. Uh, But if this is something you're like, I resonate with this, I'd love to gain an imagination, then consider these 10 practical tips from a humble practitioner and his family. All right? We've been stepping into this for like the last four years. There's no way close that we do it perfect. But 10 things. Number one, put it on the calendar. Put Sabbath day on the calendar. But don't just put it on the calendar. Look forward to it as a family or a community of friends. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart because Sabbath is coming. Sabbath is coming. Everything is leading to Sabbath. Around December time for me and my family, we always start to hear like, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. And that's what Sabbath is like, friends. Sabbath is like a weekly Christmas. Every week, it's coming. It's coming. And if you're following along, Sabbath is the best day of the week. Like it might get hard during the week. It might get dark. There might be difficulty. But friends, Sabbath is coming. One day permanently when we rest forever. And until then, weekly where we rest and remember that we don't have to work seven days a week. Number one, put it on the calendar, look forward to it. Number two, although 24 hours is highly recommended, if you can't do that, man, start where you are at. Don't not practice Sabbath because you can't do 24 hours. Maybe you could only do Sunday morning. Do Sunday morning. Maybe you can do Saturday night and Sunday morning. Do Saturday night and Sunday morning. Maybe you're like, what day do I have to Sabbath? Because I've heard it's on Saturday or Sunday. Do it when it works best for you. Like for me, I love Sundays. I love what we're doing right now. (laughs) But it's a work day for me. 
So for me, Sabbath starts 5 p.m. on Friday, goes till Saturday, 5 p.m. We're getting better at the Saturday, the 5 p.m. thing. (laughs) We're still working on that. But don't not do Sabbath because you can't do it perfectly. Okay, start where you're at. Number three, don't be legalistic, but fight for the day. Don't be legalistic, but fight for the day, the moment, the sacred time. In every season, may this be the way that we train up others in what it looks like to follow Jesus. Fight. Fight. What a gift. Fight to follow the way of God. Number four, establish an official beginning and ending. Like nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific. So when does Sabbath start? When do we say work stops? And you got to discern about that. And where do screens go at that time, right? Like I said, for us, Sabbath starts at 5 p.m. on Friday, and it goes until Saturday at 5 p.m. This last week, on Friday, Sabbath started about 6.48-ish. <laughs> it was in there. Bryce had an art camp, and so we all went as a family to see his art. It was way fun. But do you know what we were talking about in the van on the way back to the house? Sabbath. We're talking about Sabbath. Like, what games are we going to play for Sabbath? What food are we going to eat for Sabbath? What are we doing tonight for Sabbath? Establish an official beginning and ending. Number five, prep and plan. Prep and plan. And do this outside of Sabbath. <laughs> like, don't prep and plan Sabbath during Sabbath. Do it outside of Sabbath. Our whole family is in on making Sabbath happen. And I didn't help much this past week, if I'm honest. It was a heavier week for me. But my family are rock stars. And my kids, they clean the house. And Lisa is unbelievable. She found this amazing recipe. And we cooked food. I would recommend cooking food because it slows you down. You have to make it yourself. Prep and plan. Number six, speaking of food, eat amazing food. (laughs) Sabbath is a day to eat amazing food. Some of the most amazing recipes that we've found has been because of our weekly Christmas. It's coming every week. Raspberry flowers, chocolate cake, ice cream shakes of many different flavors. Double stuffed Oreo is the top of our list. Eat amazing food. Number seven, candles. Candles. Start your Sabbath by lighting a candle. Make it intentional. Remember that Jesus is the light of the world, and darkness cannot overcome that light. And he rested, therefore I can rest. Number eight, games. Games. We're a big game family. Prep games. We've done blindfolded putting contests. We've done wiffle ball wars in our backyard. That one went down how fast. We played the game of drawful on our TV. We love fishbowl and canasta and ticket to ride. If you're not a games person, what brings you life and fun and joy? Plan and prep games. Number nine, speak life-giving words. Speak life-giving words. We've used written prayers. We've used scripture. We've asked, where have you seen God at work this week? This past Friday, we had a Pretty cool conversation about the lyrics of a song that someone had listened to the past week. Speak life-giving words. And number 10, number 10, invite good friends. Sabbath is meant to be practiced in community. Don't be afraid to ask others if they would like to walk in this way of slowing together. Who might you ask? Who might you say, man, I want to go against the culture. Would you Sabbath with me? 
We're serious about this. Like we want to step into the way of Jesus this way. There's a resource guide that Luke Martin and I have written the content for. Mara designed the artwork for that. It's beautiful. We'd love for you to pick one of those guides up and just like experiment, experiment with the best day of the week. Some do's and don'ts, like obviously don't work, but you got to discern what work is. Some of us, for we cut the yard, we're like, that's not work for me. I'm, I'm resting. Some of us gardening is like not work for us, but just figure out what work is for you and don't do it. Don't worry. That can wait for tomorrow. I don't need to worry about that today. Don't buy or sell if you can. That's an attachment to the things of this world. Just say, I don't need to buy or sell anything on this day. And don't use screens unless it has been agreed upon by the whole group, right? And you're going to watch a movie or play a game. But do rest your body. Do replenish your spirit. And do restore your soul. Resting well is an art. It's the art of curating and facilitating sacred time, liminal space. And it does not just happen it has to be planned for. It takes work to keep Sabbath, but that's okay because we've got six days, six days to work. And part of that work is prepping Sabbath. And it's in the faithful prepping of Sabbath, if you're following along, that it becomes sacred time set apart and marked. It's through the lighting of candles and the eating of great food and the planning of games, and the inviting of friends, and the enjoyment of the gifts of God. It's by all that that we say, yes, Lord, in six days, you labored. The seventh day, you rested. Therefore, I will do the same thing. I will stop, and I will cease. Amen? So what we're going to do right now is we're just going to take a moment. Seems fitting. And we're going to practice some sacred space. Participation in a sacred moment. We're going to remember Jesus through the bread and the cup. Jesus himself said that he was Lord of the Sabbath. And you know what I said about just things being intentional, them being prepped, them being beautiful, and everything being planned out? Like, the scriptures are just that way. Do you know that Jesus, he died on the eve of Sabbath? And then he rested, stopped, ceased in the tomb on Sabbath. Then he rose again to begin a new creation on the first day of the week. And that's why so many followers of Jesus, they moved Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. And so as we prepare for communion this morning, I just want to invite you to consecrate this moment, just to be still, kind of hallow this space, slow your breathing. We're going to ask the Spirit of God together. Prayer is about speaking and listening. I just want to ask the Spirit of God right now if there's anything He wants us to know, specifically in relation to this practice, or the scripture we looked at today, or anything at all about the kingdom of God coming in your heart, in our heart, and in our families. Just take a couple minutes and be still right now. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.